This podcast was created to educate listeners on the experiences of diverse individuals. However, all opinions expressed by the host or guests do not reflect the overall standing of Tarleton Radio or Tarleton State University. everyone and welcome to Making Space a Diversity Dialogue. I'm your host Cole and this is a bi-weekly podcast where together we'll have questions answered about socially sensitive topics while learning how to create lasting relationships with diverse people. I am so sorry folks for the delay on this episode. Of course some of you may have heard about the winter storm that hit Texas pretty hard over the past uh, week and a half or so. Unfortunately that caused us uh, a delay in some work and some uploading as well as our internet was down. So. Thank you so much for being patient with us. But we do have this next episode. It's all about body modification, what that means to you as a person and your identity, what that actually means in society. And I have some resources that I'm going to include in the description. That's going to be kind of the history behind body modification and body modification in culture, what that means as you present yourself to society and what society expects of you um, seeing body modification on yourself. I do have some really great guests this time. They're going to be talking a little bit about body modification in the professional world, as well as just showing and telling their experiences with body modification. Our first guest is Tarleton State University's Dr. Helvi Mason, Assistant Vice President for Student Affairs. She also served prior to this as the Associate Dean of the College of Liberal and Fine Arts, Department Head for Communication Studies, and Director of the Office of Diversity and Inclusion, someone we've partnered with for a little while now since the podcast got started. Of course, now she is only the Assistant Vice President for Student Affairs, but she is a great person. I really enjoy talking to her, and I hope you guys will enjoy the discussion. Our second guest is Assistant Professor in the Psychological Sciences Department, Dr. Trina Guy. She was great to have on. She had some really great input and really spurred a lot of discussion. I am really, really excited for you guys to hear this. I really enjoyed this interview and I hope you guys get some from it. It was more of a general discussion of body modification. We didn't get too much in specifics, just looking at the overall idea of body modification, what that even is and what it means for you and what you might want to think about going into a professional world and a professional modern world with body modification. So without further ado, I'm going to let you uh, get to that interview. Charleston State University's Dr. Helvi Mason. Thank you so much for coming on. Glad to be here. Thank you. And our second guest, Dr. Trina Guy. Thank you also for coming on. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I think we're going to go straight into it, kind of get an icebreaker question. How do you feel about body modification and what does that mean to you when you hear the term? Yeah, I would be happy to dive in on that. I think uh, the The idea of body modification is a personalization. It's self-expression. It's owning and enhancing your body and the way that you view your body and the way it interacts in the world around you. That's my perception. I agree completely with what she just said. I mean, just like you want to um, decorate and personalize your environment, um, it's natural to want to decorate and personalize your your physical body that's with you all the time. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's an expression of self. I, I find that concept so interesting because I I honestly, from what I've done with body modification, I haven't thought too much about it, but it 
when coming to like when I've dyed my hair before, it's always been that makes me feel so much more like myself than my natural hair color. So it is truly a self-expression. Um, all right. So can you guys tell me a little bit about your first experiences with body modification, whether that be uh, yourself or with others around you before you ever thought about body modifying yourself? I think we might need to kind of decide what we consider body modification, right? Okay. Because I mean, I got my ears pierced for the first time when I was like four. Yes. You know, yes. that body modification, I, you know, it was my choice as much as a four-year-old can make a choice. <laughs> I, you know, I definitely, that choice was made for me by my mother when I was very small. So I feel like there's some aspects of body modification or under that umbrella that is acceptable, at least at a, a young age. Right. So I, I guess the first thing that I did that was not an earlobe piercing, maybe mm-hmm. we can define that. Um, I had my, my brow pierced when I was, I was actually a freshman at Tarleton. Oh, wow. Um, back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. And um, late nineties, and my friend who was practicing to be a piercist um, did it for me. There was oh, a lot. That's safe. Um, I don't know that it looked the best, you know, but I felt pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. And I felt like I was helping her out. That was the first time that I did something that was kind of outside of the norm. Right, right. Right on. Well, I, I'm kind of similar. So I always grew up around a lot of piercings. A lot of folks um, had piercings. I never really classified that um, into modification myself. I really considered um, branding and ink more of a modification mm. just because I was so familiar with piercing and piercing spacing. So I did the the triple earlobes and the ones in the top of the ear. Um, but that was really it. And those were all teen, kind of late 90s, same timeline. Um, and then for me, really, I felt a real claiming of my body when I got my first tattoo. And mm-hmm. I did that at age 18 um, as a freshman at Purdue yes. University. And I felt very, um, I don't know, just grown into myself, being able to make that choice and and navigate that independently. So um, been around tattoos a, a long time throughout my <laughs> throughout my life with folks around me. But it took being 18 and being grown to do that. That was the one kind of rule that we had. So maybe we could consider going off of what you just said, Dr. Helvey Mason, that there are some body modifications that could be more considered this just by personal preference or just Experience. experience. Yeah. So a modification to me wouldn't have been something I saw every day. Right. right. Like in, just from my personal perception. So for me, um, eyebrows were very, very popular there in the late 90s, right? Multiple mm-hmm. piercings um, in your ears, your navel, your tongue. These were all fairly common. We had some folks that had um, nostrils, Septum. ears. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So because those were fairly normal to me, I never considered that a, a modification. I also saw that as less permanent though Hmm. that is probably not true in some cases (laughs) depending Um, on it yes for sure yeah so my lens just uh just tends to go toward um the more permanent items uh, of body modification but I did appreciate the conversation about um just hair dye Mm -hmm. right and when did we all do that you know I dyed my hair first when I was 14 and we it was younger and younger for my other siblings because we did have the right to self-expression through those channels. And I think that was very powerful starting grounds for us to own who we were. It does seem and to be I, different for each person. Uh, go ahead, Dr. Guy. 
Well, I was going to say that, um, I mean, I started with the brow piercing, but whenever I first read your invitation, body modification to me, and it may just be because I identify as a, a tattooed person, right? Mm-hmm. Is um, To me, body modification is more surgical type things, mm-hmm. implants, mm-hmm. kind of structural, morphological changes to the body rather than just, um, I guess, adornment, right? Mm-hmm. Um so I don't, I, that's why I was asking the question about oh, what sure. are we can modification. Yeah. I, when I was looking it up in my research, it talked a lot about piercings, tattoos, and then of course, I can't remember the name of it now. Um, it's, it's where you insert um, certain inserts under your skin that cause different shapes and patterns. Um, that was in there. I also saw hair dye because it was like, a change in your in your physical appearance so i found that interesting so maybe it is kind of a a broader thing than what i had originally perceived (laughs) especially you're talking to two academics who want to define your term before you move into a conversation yes of course (laughs) so looking in that aspect of just it being a general tattoos piercings hair dyeing, surgical implants and stuff. Do, does that meaning of body modification change for you guys? I guess maybe the concept of body modification as broadly as you've defined it includes more people. It makes mm-hmm. the community Agreed. larger than what I would have initially thought, I guess. Okay. Yes. Would you consider even in like the different sects of body modification, the different sections, would you consider those communities? Do you feel as if um, tattooed people kind of hang together and people who have certain piercings hang together or other structure and body structure modifications? I'm not friends with people necessarily that have the same tattoo locations as me. But for example, when Dr. Laura and I met, um, I was on the search committee when she came. So we've known each other since day one. Mm -hmm. And I saw that she was tattooed. You know, you're one of my people. Mm -hmm. So even though there's not like that visible, we're going to join together and hang out. There's a nod that um, we understand each other. Right. That's well said. That's well said. And it's just like anything in life, right? So if you tend to be somebody who enjoys... Um, large pickup trucks or vehicles, you tend to have other folks that have a similar interest. Same thing with your Netflix shows. And I think it's just a personality trait that comes through uh, for folks. So you tend to be more responsive to folks who have similar likes and attitudes. Speaking of similar likes and attitudes, why in the first place did you guys decide to do whatever you considered your first major body modification? We're both looking at each other going, who wants to jump in on this one? (laughs) Yeah. So uh, we could, we could maybe say who was, who was youngest? I was 18. How old were you, Dr. Guy? I was 18 also. Mm. Yeah. My first piercing and my first tattoo both happened during my freshman year. Wow. Okay. So a similar timeline. Yeah. So for me, uh, I was, I was a first year student at Purdue University. I also am a first generation college student from a low background with a single parent Mm. and Um, I had some challenging moments feeling like I belonged in college, um, particularly that first semester where my scholarship, I was, I was very fortunate. I had a full ride, um, but my scholarship was delayed. And so I was informed Mm. that I would have to leave college and I hid that That from anyone. Yeah. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to go work five jobs and I'm going to manage this. It's going to be magical. I can handle it on my own. 
um, and, and my scholarship had hit. And so one of the things that I had done was squirreled away a little bit of money to really show everyone that I could do this, that I was going to be what they told me I couldn't be. So in my case, I had um, some school counselors that said I was too poor for college. I just had some negative feedback around wow. going away to school. And um, the moment when I realized I had a little bit of money squirreled where I could really show who I was, mm-hmm. was such an empowering moment for me. And so um, simultaneously in my English lit class, we were, uh, we were writing about cultures and subcultures, which is a passion of mine. And so there, our group chose the subculture of tattoo spaces, mm. right? So we were doing kind of an ethnographic review of tattoo culture. So it's the easiest thing in the world to be like, this is my moment. And so I was <laughs> able to get my, my first tattoo, which was a left shoulder blade um, tattoo. Mm. And I felt very good about it still to this day, feel very good about it. Dr. Guy. Yeah, mine was a little bit different. So um I, my high school experience, I was very um, high in our class. Um, I was in the top 10%, all of that, honor student, all that that stuff that a lot of us who turn out to be academics can say, right? Um, and I had some options to go further off. I'm from Comanche, which is only about 30 minutes away from here. Um, and I made the decision to stay close to Tarleton. My parents had gone through a divorce. I was really close to my mom. I didn't want to get that far away. There were financial considerations coming from a single parent background and that kind of thing. So I don't want to say I felt like I settled because I don't, I feel like that's a negative term, Mm -hmm. but I think I felt like I wanted to commit to something larger and in a way, um, doing my tattoo was kind of, I am more than this. This is, you know, like I'm, I'm more than just this person who stayed close to home at this small school to be close to my family. Um, I'm going to differentiate myself and make myself identified as different and special in this way. Um, and that was, I think, around the time that I got my first tattoo. So a sense of indi- individuality. Mm-hmm. Right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was a little bit of a rebellious, you know, kind of. <laughs> kind of I, I, I understand that. I, I understand that for sure. Um, I, I was telling Dr. Helvey Mason before we started that I was I uh, freshman year, actually. <laughs> I took a three-month uh, study abroad in London, England, and that's actually where I got my first tattoo. So it was, it was a place where I could be solitary and find more of myself as an independent person away. And then it just shone through with um, ink on my body, you know? <laughs> So considering about what times uh, all of us actually got our uh, first tattoos or piercings or what have you, did you have any considerations for your future uh, as a professional? Was that anywhere near your mind? Can you kind of explain what your planning process might have been for that? I think that's such an interesting question, right? Because we're dealing with a changing time. Mm -hmm. So um, for me, you know, just revealing full full force. I was in uh, the late 90s entering college. And one of the things that for me, it was a real self-claiming moment. I was thinking strategically, this is not going on my neck or my forehead, right? That's about right. as far as I got in terms of strategic thought. I also asked the artist where they thought that would be the best piece. So for okay. me, it was a, hey, where do you think this works the best? If I'm putting this on my body forever, I want the expert to help me navigate that decision. 
That makes sense. I hadn't thought about uh, that aspect. They are professionals as well. Yeah. And that's a completely other topic, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh, mine was similar. Uh, I mean, there was a little bit of spontaneity in it because I, I was 18 and, you know, I, mm-hmm. I just kind of did it. But um, I definitely went into it thinking I'm going to put this somewhere where it's my choice whether or not I review it. And I think it was a long time before I selected tattoos that are more difficult to feel. Um, I was a little bit more secure in my profession, in my personal identity before I decided to become a person who was visibly a tattooed person. Would you say that that has something to do with how there's kind of this social stigma related to some visible and overt tattoos? How would you kind of describe that social situation when you're you're considering placement and, and what it is and yeah, cool. So when you think about like the social space, right, it depends on the society you're interacting with. Mm-hmm. It depends on what you know. And so for, for many folks who grew up, I think, around modification as a regular rite of passage or as a choice or something that they saw all the time, um, that's what that can be for you. So it's really coming into your society, right? It's not right. a disenfranchisement from that society. So um, for me, um, similar to Dr. Guy, you know, I, I waited to embrace more visible tattoos um, later, but at the same time, or less concealable, I think every tattoo <laughs> right. is visible, right? Like, let's not lie. So <laughs> the the idea being, like, my society, I'm going to choose that. And they're going to accept me for who I am and how I am. And that was a big part about owning and claiming my body. I had a challenging childhood. And I really struggled. And because of that, this way of claiming meant that I also could control more things, right? Mm. So now I can control not just my body, but my space, the people I let into my space emotionally, physically. Um, does society as a whole have some stereotypical views about body modification? Absolutely. Is it different than it was 20 years ago? Absolutely. Right. So right. Um, I have the coolest hippie mama in the world. And she told me to wash that tattoo off. What? I, I walked through the door and she said, it's not funny. Wash it off. How are you going to ever wear a strapless dress? Which if she knew me, I would never wear a strapless dress <laughs> or a dress. Right. Anyway, that's not how I choose to express myself. But um, it's one of those moments that I think generationally she had more concern than I had about that at all. I was denied a job because of tattoos, but it's not a job I chose to pursue as a retail position um, that did not allow for for tattoos, whether they were visible or not. If you checked yes, it was an instant no. Wow. I I did not know that. Of course, I at this point, I've heard of things like that happening, but I had honestly never like spoke to someone that had happened to, um, that tattoos had kept them from going into a certain workplace. Yeah. Again, 20, 18 years ago. Right. Um, so, so I don't know, Dr. Guy, does that resonate with you at all? Yes, that I, idea of society in place? Yes, absolutely. And mine is a little bit different. I always felt like the people I identified with as far as my chosen people, you know, my friends and my, my work people um, were always very accepting. And I didn't have a lot of anxiety about revealing my tattoos to them. It's been my family that was that was more concerned. Um, and even now, I mean, I'm in my 40s and my mother is still like, that's the last one you're going to get, right? Please tell me you're not going to get me more. There's and always I'm, one more. Yes. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you that because I'm not going to lie to you. But she. Anytime she has the opportunity to insert how much she hates them into a conversation, she will still do that. Mm. Um, but I haven't had 
an opportunity taken away from me because I lied on an application. I did um, apply for a job, a position that I did secure as a counselor with an organization that was had religious funding as their backing. And um, they asked if I had tattoos and I just said no. I and see. because I was able to keep them hidden. And... Right. How do you think uh, that kind of social atmosphere has changed now? Because it seems to have already done so, at least in, in the majority aspect. But why do you think that has changed? And how has it changed for people with tattoos with other body modification? There, there are a lot of folks who have tattoos and other folks don't realize it. So it just was the, the frequency, the accessibility, the safety of getting tattoos really came a long way. It was no longer something that was just in the military or just within a prison system, right? So from that cultural standpoint of where does the inking come from, it became a community item. It's on the corner downtown, right? You right. can just go and get it done. So I think that accessibility meant a lot of other folks were like, oh, and like Dr. Guy said, that little head nod. Uh, oh, so you, so you have a tattoo. I just, a lot of folks have ink. And because of that, the culture started to, in my opinion, the culture started to change and that hit the professional world later, but right. it still changed the professional world um, overall. So I, I feel very much like accessibility and safety really shifted the way that we look at tattoo one girl's view. What do you think, Dr. Guy? <laughs> well, I think it's also maybe the passage of time, you know, because Dr. Helby Mason and I got our tattoos when we were 18, right? Well, that right. was a long time ago. And we've come through a lot of leadership positions. We've supervised and hired true. for a bunch of people. So there are people like us who kind of infiltrated the system, um, you know, and started influencing that, um, that culture from the inside, I think, you know, I, I mean, I know I've had a student come up to me I hired her as a student worker and she said, I have a nose ring. Am I going to have to remove that? And I just showed her one of my tattoos and said, no. (laughs) (laughs) I think that in and of itself creates a very different environment than what we would have had as student workers when we were 18. It's nice to have that, that you guys, people like you who are in that leadership role saying, Hey, this is okay. This is just a part of self-expression and this is how we monitor and go through the professional world um, with things like that. And that that's kind of brings me to my next question, which was, how do you respond to people asking or thinking about um, if body modification is professional, whether that be tattoos, piercings, hair dyeing, any of that? We do. I think between the two of us, we do a lot of mentoring. Uh, and so mm-hmm. one of the best things we can talk to our students about is or anyone who's asking really is just, what is your profession? What are you hoping to do? What does that look like? Um, Live true to who you are, but also understand and respect the path you've chosen enough to know what the right choice is. So if somebody is asking, where should I get my first tattoo? I always say not the neck, right? Um, I think that is such a powerful place for a tattoo, right? Your lifeblood is right there. It's Mm -hmm. just such a way to claim. But at the same time, there are professions that have codes of conduct that may be restrictive. Um, There are also cultures. So we've spoken a little bit about study abroad. If you are planning to travel, you want to consider that. There's also some gender norming in there Mm -hmm. that comes into play. So always my thought is, you know, do you be proud of who you are and what you want, but really do think about living your whole self, self self-actualization. And if that's part of a career path that might have restrictions, you might want to consider it. 
That makes sense. Yeah, I agree completely. I have, my son is, um, my oldest is 21 and he got his first tattoo a couple of years ago. And we all went together, of course, to our family tattoo guy and all three <laughs> of us got a, family, a tattoo together. Um, so there, we're all player one, player two, player three. Love that. Um, we got it on his, he got it on his chest and it was really in large part because his dad and I mentored him through that process of mm-hmm. there's totally nothing wrong, obviously with having visible tattoos, but you are 18 years old and deciding if that's who you want to be for the rest of your life right now, isn't probably a great idea. So I'm, I'm sure because I know him that he'll eventually have, um, have more and <laughs> Dr. Laura knows him too, but, um, right now isn't, isn't the time. And I was going to say something I thought a little bit about, um, depending on your position too, coming from the background of a helper, um, in my previous life, I ran nonprofits and did counseling with at-risk youth. And one of the things that we learned in our counseling program, for example, was that if you're in a counseling setting, um, especially with someone who is, for example, Um, a low socioeconomic class in comparison to you, you wouldn't show up to that counseling session with gaudy, extravagant diamond jewelry on and wearing, you know, a designer suit, right? You kind of want to match your community because the process in that kind of a situation is about that other person. It's not about you. So I would also think if you want to go into a community and provide some kind of a service with maybe um, at-risk or underprivileged folks who are going to be anxious about pursuing services with you, Anything that you do that kind of creates a barrier between you and that community may ultimately impact your opportunities. So showing up with, um, you know, a face tattoo or something like that in a very conservative community may stand in the way of you being able to do what you want to do. That makes sense. That that definitely makes sense. So looking at it from, uh, as, as both of you have mentioned and how I mentioned in the beginning, you both come from a professional background. You've gone through a lot of channels. And if you were to have an applicant to a student worker position or if you were to be on a hiring committee or what have you, would a certain body modification um, have you decide not to hire that person? It's kind of a, a uncomfortable question to look so, at, but well, I th- I think the general answer and everyone's knee jerk reaction is no, of course not, right? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. as as a tattooed person, um, as somebody who respects piercing and other modifications, the answer is no. But but there is also a moment where you know a an offensive tattoo in a highly visible space could go against the work that I'm trying to accomplish, right? So particularly as a practitioner of diversity and inclusion, um, awareness and education, if somebody were to have a very offensive racist tattoo on a very visible part of their body, I think we'd have a problem with bringing that person on our team. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. Racist or misogynistic, any kind of hate based would be very difficult. And I, I do understand that there are people who may get tattoos like that 20 years ago, and now they're a different person, right? And I think that's a conversation that you can have, but I would certainly want whatever the the tattoo of concern to be addressed um, before making an offer. Okay. As um, a person, whether that be listeners, um, as a person going into job interviews and, and such like that, should we expect to be asked or should be, we be open to be asked about any visible tattoos we have or 
piercings or what have you? I honestly don't know. I, I've never been asked except for on that single application mm-hmm. years and years and years ago. But I'm, I really don't know what other areas are like. So, so I was asked just on that one application as well. Uh, I do think that um, you need to be ready for all kinds of random questions. So for all of our listeners, just understanding that sometimes an illegal question comes your way or a, a left right. field question comes your way. I was advised back in the day to remove a wedding ring because we wouldn't want anyone to know that I was a young married person Mm -hmm. uh, because that might mean I need maternity leave later. Right. Right. Or that might mean I'm distracted by my spouse. And of course, times are different. But I think the best advice about entering an interview is knowing what you bring to the table, understanding how to articulate who you are. And if you have a visible tattoo, so both Dr. Guy and I are showing off a similarly placed one at, you know, you might want to note that somebody may stare at it or look at it. So you can work that right into your conversation. So I see that you've noticed that I have item XYZ. Let me explain to you the way that I bring individuality to your team. Okay. That is an interesting perspective. I, uh, I'm sure that will help a lot of people when going into uh, interviews and such. I know that that'll definitely be in the back of my mind. Let's talk about what advice you would give listeners who are looking to express themselves through a manner of body modification. Do you have any general advice? I would say start small. You know, I I, don't, I think if you've never dyed your hair, you've never had a piercing, you've never really played with your wardrobe, that kind of thing, you probably don't want to jump out and get a sleeve, right? Oh, like yes, as your very first, I mean, maybe, I don't know. But um, but I would recommend to start small with with temporary kinds of things, um, because that's going to give you an experience of how it feels, but also how people are going to react to you. And you'll kind of know going into that decision. And then certainly once you decide to take the leap and do something per- uh, permanent um, to do it somewhere where you can hide it if you choose to, mm-hmm. um, especially on that first one, just just until you kind of see how that feels when you integrate that into who you are. Right. And into your society around you. Right. So that idea of um, really testing the waters, I think sounds great. I also am a, a big believer in the expert, right? I don't remember what the percentage is, but it's a very small percentage of people, for example, that are tattoo artists um, of those folks. It's easy to do some research and find out who you should be going to. So when you do your research, talk to the expert. Don't don't like barge on in and say, I'm going to get, you know, <laughs> this uh, X, Y, Z item and I'd, I'd like it to be as big as possible. And I want it to be this, this and this. Take your idea and let them draft art that is going to reflect what you want. Too many times that pick and stick model. Yeah. Right. I have a pick and stick, too. Like, so, you know, sometimes you walk in, you point at the wall, you pick it and they stick it. Um <laughs> But the artists are there with the training to let you know, hey, that idea on your calf is going to look strange because you're trying to do a circle and that isn't going to work. Or, you know, heads up girl. And for all the other chunky girls who are out there, like there are some moments on your back that you might want to tattoo in a certain place. It's not going to work because of the way your body is laying. So it might be better placed strategically four inches over. Let them help you through that decision. That would be my advice to anyone. Right. And then absolutely related to the experts, talk to people who you know and respect who have tattoos and see where they go. If you don't have somebody that you've already researched, ask. Um, You don't want to just 
go, oh, these people have a coupon for, you know, buy one, get one or whatever, and go do that. You know, you right. want to, if it's a financial issue, wait and save up a little bit more money. Um, yes, because it's worth it. It's worth it. So um, find a good person. Yeah, I'll, I'll add a fun fact. I heard a young lady complaining about, uh, well, I was I just recently got an additional tattoo last week and uh, it was a fairly long sit. Mm. And I heard um, of a young lady who was complaining about, you know, the cost um, for getting a quote. And the idea is a small scale, $50, you know, outline right. item. Yeah, you know, right, like 50 bucks. And so one of the artists near me said, you know, that's a manicure for folks, like a manicure lasts how many weeks? So when you right. put it in perspective, you're thinking about long-term art uh, for for a tattoo example, for some of the other body modifications, I think the same is true. Go with high quality piercing materials, people that you respect, right? If you're doing a branding, understand about healing and those processes. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, <laughs> trust the folks around you, save your pennies a little longer. Don't yes. go out on Saturday night after maybe you haven't been making the best choices. <laughs> uh, think of, think about what you want. Do it strategically to the best of your ability because it's going to be with you. Yes, mm-hmm. for sure. Even piercings. Um, I'll give in uh, a little bit of information on myself for a second. But I got a cartilage piercing somewhere I shouldn't have gotten a cartilage piercing. <laughs> um, it was not at a piercing shop. It was not at a tattoo shop. And uh, I do not recommend going with a gun of any sort when you're talking about piercing please listeners do your research before you do that. Um, it may not be permanent. You may be able to take it out, but the pain will be there for a long time. So <laughs> I recommend for sure following Dr. Helvy Mason and Dr. Guy's advice. Start small and do a lot of research <laughs> before you get that done. <laughs> All right. So if listeners are looking to kind of decrease some of the social stigma that's already kind of there about overt tattoos, overt piercings, overt body modification, how might they go about that? Or how might they um, start presenting themselves or helping others? Maybe be a good ambassador, you know, mm. kind of, you know, like the the rules around Greek life where you don't do X, Y, and Z when you have your letters on, ah, right. you know, maybe... You know, if you're going to represent the tattooed community and help to try to say, hey, don't buy into the stereotypes, then being that person who goes the extra mile to extend a helping hand or, you know, do the small things like push the baskets up at Walmart or whatever, (laughs) kind of represent um, so that people maybe think, oh, that person did this nice thing and that wouldn't be what I expected. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's a really small way that anybody can can do that. Right. Going against the this grain of the stigma associated with people who have overt um, piercings, overt tattoos uh, that are seen maybe as negative. Not responding defensively or aggressively Mm. whenever somebody may confront you about it, you know, and say, Oh, I do. I can't believe you. You did that to your body. Mm. You wouldn't want to start arguing with that person because you don't know what they're coming from either. So um, just responding with grace and kindness thank you for your feedback. (laughs) (laughs) I plan to disregard that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, for sure. Dr. Helly Mason, do you think you have any? Yeah, I'm kind of pondering over that. So my my first thought was, of course, ally, like be a good ally for for the work you're doing. But I also think it just comes down to um, 
you know, when I meet a person, I try to meet the whole person. I try to understand the whole person. Mm -hmm. And I hope that folks would understand me in the same vein. So, um, you know, I, I welcome questions. I think it's fine. I also think that if you're in an environment where not as many people are visibly tattooed, you might expect that folks have questions or comments. If it gets to the point where it creates a hostile work environment, deal with your HR, mm -hmm. manage that if you need to. But for the most part, I think it's curiosity. I think everyone's interested in what the story is, right? And sometimes we don't want to share that because it's so personal when you modify your body. It's usually a personal journey. Um, so I think also folks who are not into body modification can understand sometimes asking outright about a name that someone has could be something that hurts or dates that you see on someone. Right. Mm -hmm. There might be significance to that that isn't something they want to talk about while you're driving through McDonald's. Uh, <laughs> it might be something that's better for a serious conversation later. And so just responding to the whole person, the whole environment. And then I think it goes back to the idea of what are those stereotypes? So, again, we have to define our term right before we yes. move on. What are the stigmas that you're talking about? I don't think um, personally in my journey that those stigmas have come forward in a way that I anticipated. I think I was overly cautious uh, for many years. I also think that I'm saying that from a position of authority and maybe some hindsight that isn't 100% accurate because I didn't have a moment where someone turned me away based on something to do, to my knowledge, um, with the way that I looked. But I know folks have had that experience. And so mm -hmm. because of that, really thinking about choosing that culture when you can, when you have a choice, I choose higher education because it's critical, because it's engaging, because it's empowering, because it's life changing. Right. I made a conscious choice to be in this environment. I also know that that may mean that um, folks have questions, that they want to learn more, that they don't agree with me. And that's not scary to me. So um, defining the stigma, I, I think it's different depending on what culture you're in, what experiences you've had. But I don't think it's the same or I hope it's not the same. Uh, when I was growing up, the stigma of a tattoo was that that person was somehow rough, right? Uh -huh. They've somehow been through things and they've come out the other side of that experience. So while we had a darker stigma, the result of that was a stronger, amazing human um, and seeing that holistically, right? I do think some folks see them as um, less cultured, maybe of a lower class, mm -hmm. I, I don't even like using the higher versus lower in that statement, but yes. that idea being there might be judgment that way. So really just the more examples that we see, the better off everyone is. Uh, so yeah. that goes back to being an ambassador, changing culture, but also recognizing stigma for what it is and calling it out as needed when you see it. Mm -hmm. I think that's important for a lot of different things for sure. Absolutely. Okay. Um, are there any topics we haven't covered today that we wanted to just go over really quick you guys wanted to say something about before we end things for the recording so i think um, one of the best things to really consider um, and as you're talking about this with your audience and you're thinking about the series of shows that that you run and that we're mm -hmm. looking at all of these different moments where different cultures come together different ideas come together you know embrace one another and appreciate the roles and the life experiences that come together for body modification. And I think we saw a common thread in our show, right? There were three of us at the age of 18 going through an experience where we wanted to really claim who we were, regardless of what led us there. And that's an empowering story. And I think body modification is an empowering story. I would like to thank my guests once again for coming on, Dr. Helvey Mason and Dr. Trina Guy. 
we really had a good time and a good discussion. I hope you guys got something from it as well. Kind of deciding for yourself if you would like to partake in body modification. Maybe you already have and didn't realize it or maybe you have and it's really a part of your identity and, and this kind of validates you in a way knowing that you can be a professional or you can go out in the modern world in society and say okay bottom modification is all right and it is a part of my identity and that's okay again i have included some links in the description not too many this time but i think some of it can answer some questions does have a little bit of the history and the culture behind body modification prior to uh, our generation and generation previous. Of course, if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to send us a message on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Planet 100.7, the radio station we're based out of. Be sure to check back every other Tuesday for uploads. Of course, we do have some bonus content uploading here soon from our live diversity dialogues at Tarleton State University with our partnership with Tarleton State's Office of Diversity and Inclusion and International Program. So we have some of that coming up. Super excited. Hope you guys are too. As always, be safe out there, folks, and take care. Tarleton Radio Network podcast with production from me, Taylor Welch, and me, Carissa Cole. Find more great shows by searching Tarleton Radio Network wherever you get your podcasts.